0: Welcome to the imposter syndrome files. I am so grateful that you're here. My name is Kim Manager and I'm a women's leadership coach. I started this podcast because as a lifelong sufferer of imposter syndrome and a coach who sees this in 98% of the women I meet, I wanted to take this conversation to a bigger stage, so to speak. Imposter syndrome is triggered by a lot of things, but two of the primary triggers are transitions and feeling different from those around us. Women in traditionally male-dominated environments experience these triggers on an almost daily basis. So it's only natural that we would feel this way. What compounds these feelings is the sense that we are alone. The belief that if we share our feelings, we'll expose our incompetence even further. So we carry it around like a deep, dark secret. I started this podcast because I wanna put a stop to this nonsense and destigmatize imposter syndrome. Because we don't talk about it, we look around and assume that everyone around us has it all figured out, that we're somehow the exception to the rule. When in reality, we're all feeling this way. And when we can own that and say it out loud, we all benefit, nobody more so than you. So thanks again for being here. If you enjoy it, please share it with others who might also benefit. Welcome, Nicole. I am so happy that you're here today.
1: I would love to start by having you introduce yourself. Hi, Kim. I'm, I'm really excited to be here today and have this conversation. Um, so I am a intuition coach, which is something I totally made up. Uh, that's a title I gave myself. And basically, the way that I see that is that I help people learn to listen to themselves. Sometimes we get caught up in our businesses and in our lives and all the things we're trying to do. And we forget to pay attention to what do we need physically, as well as What do I need just as a person and um, everything else seems to come before that. And I think that that is one of the reasons that I burned out and it's something that I share with my clients when I'm working with them. So I have my own uh, marketing business as well. I've had that for six years. This was my, the, on Friday, I had my anniversary. So I was really excited about that. And thanks in 2018, I, I burned out and I almost walked away from my marketing business because i was so overwhelmed with uh, burnout and working with all of that and so i came back from that and now as a coach as well as a marketer i help my clients work through burnout uh, because i've been there and i understand as a small business owner what it's like to be where everything is on your shoulders And you have to make it all come together. And at the same time, you have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and not getting into some bad habits.
0: I'm going to guess based on how you've characterized your work and the challenges that people are facing, that you're no stranger to imposter syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I'd love to start by asking you that, standard question I ask everybody, which is what does imposter syndrome mean to you? And then as a follow-on to that, how, if at all, has it shown up in your own work and in your own life? So many
1: times. (laughs) Um, I think that the ones that stand out the most to me are the ones that I was able to work through. Sometimes imposter syndrome can show up really strongly and it's just like too scary to even try and work through something or attack it. Um, I had a, an experience when I was first out of college that definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome in there that wasn't really the best experience. And so it's something that I learned from and realized that's not a good environment for me. So the one that, that showed up for me um, in the beginning, different levels of imposter syndrome, I guess for me would be when I was starting my business and I felt like, why would someone pay me to do marketing, copywriting? How am I going to get that client? How am I going to get someone to pay me? And even to this day, being sometimes like people are paying me for some of this stuff, right? Um, so in the very beginning, having those feeling like, oh, I'm a fake. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Even though I'd I had done the work and done the training, went to a conference, and all these things, I still felt that imposter syndrome, and then. It's interesting because it kind of morphs. You can. I was really successful uh, in 2017, making the most money that I'd ever made. And then in 2018, I burned out. And part of my burnout was definitely some imposter syndrome where I got to the point where I felt like I needed to be this person who was creative all the time and who had all the solutions to all her clients problems and was making all these amazing campaigns happen but when I was in burnout I got to the point where I didn't have any I didn't have any energy for anybody else I barely had any for myself I could barely get out of bed in the morning Um, I took work home with me I was answering client emails after hours and I, I had no creativity left. And that was a crazy, scary place to be, especially as a marketer. Um, and so I just felt like I'm a fake. I, I lost it. I lost my spark. I don't know what am I doing anymore? Can I even do this marketing? And then it got to a point of some cynicism of being like, oh, my clients won't like it or it won't work anyways. And I just I don't know what I'm doing. And at that point I'd I'd been doing my business for four years and I still felt like it was like, I don't know enough and I'm not doing a good enough job. So those were some things of burnout coming into how imposter syndrome showed up for me. So that lack of confidence, the lack of energy and the lack of motivation definitely just fed the imposter syndrome. And I just, I felt like a fake and, um, that's a, a pretty hard place to be, especially when you're supposed to be the one that's that knows everything for your clients. And, and I'd kind of set myself up to be that person that knows I know it all. I can figure it all out. And uh, I couldn't. Wow. And so interesting
0: how you make that connection between burnout and imposter syndrome. And it makes so much sense when you think about it, but I don't think we can necessarily think about it that clearly or objectively when you're in that situation, right? How did
1: you
0: you get from there to here? How were you able to get to a place where you realized what was going on and that you needed a
1: change? Oh, um, it took me about six months to realize that I was burning out. Um, And it got to a point where my husband luckily is a teacher and he was taking a class on burnout and he kind of started telling me some stuff about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I I feel like that. Uh, so some of the things that were showing up for me that I had no idea were attached to burnout were that I was avoiding people, that I was angry all the time. Like an email from a client could set me off and I would just be, I'd have to like, take a break so I could just vent because I was so frustrated about um, neediness of clients. We'll put it like that. (laughs) And, um, then I, I didn't have any creativity. It basically dried up. I had no solutions. I had nothing to give in meetings. Um, I was at a point where I was just kind of hoping no one would notice because I knew I wasn't doing a good job, but I was terrified to lose that client, that money, um, that position. What would happen if I walked away from it? All those what ifs. And so I just was trying to fly under the radar, basically, to be 100% honest. And luckily, I had a, a vacation scheduled. This was in June, uh, two years ago. And I decided to take half my vacation and come home early and just be home by myself, not have any responsibilities. I canceled everything. And the sign, the like kicker for me that it was, there was something else going on was that at the end of that week of doing nothing, I was more tired than I was at the beginning and I could barely go get groceries that are like five minutes away. So along with the with the burnout and being at that super low point, um feeling like I I, I needed to release that client that I was talking about, that big client that of course was my biggest that I was making the most money with. Mm-hmm. Um but I had a lot of fears about how am I going to have my business if I don't have this client? How will I do all these things that I'm doing without that? So that's triggered a lot of the imposter syndrome and just being like, I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. I never knew this stuff to begin with. So as I was working through burnout and had walked away from that client and took some time to, um, take down time, basically. So resting and uh, reading up on burnout, because there wasn't anything online that I could find to help me work through this. There were some things about for other professions, but when like two thirds of our workforce experiences some level of burnout, and there's really only people sharing their experience, but there's not something out there to say, this is what you do to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um I had to read a lot of different things and find a lot of different resources. So by about September I had done counseling, I'd done meditation, I'd done coaching, I'd done gotten done some exercise, some routine exercise. Um I was taking naps. I I was pretty skin and bones in my business. Um and I finally started coming out of that and figuring out how to what my triggers were, when I was doing too much, when I was overloading myself, the things that I was doing that I hated, the things that took all my energy, the things that I loved to do that did give me energy. And I found that as I did the things that I cared about more and gave me energy, I felt more confident. Um, and the more I repeated them, I, I, I was able to be like, oh, you know, I do, I do know some of this stuff. I, I was being really hard on myself earlier some of it I don't know and I'm okay with that I don't need to know everything because sometimes my imposter syndrome syndrome goes from well if I don't know that I need to know everything I need to know all components of it this huge spectrum of how to run a funnel or how to build your website or or marketing, whatever it was and um, that didn't serve me that wasn't that wasn't a good use of my time because I can't know everything and be the expert on all of it. So in the end, part of getting out of burnout meant that I had to accept that I wasn't perfect and that that was okay. Yeah. You know, it's what's really
0: standing out to me too, is the courage it must have taken for you to walk away from a, big client who is a big source of your revenue, right? And thinking about it for people who aren't business owners, right? That might be leaving a job that feels stable, but really unsatisfying, right? And trusting that it's the right thing to do. Um, That's gotta be really
1: scary. So scary. It was terrifying. And my... Uh, my like thing, my crutch that I go to is like, oh, I need to get a part-time job. And yet whenever I do that, I'm always unhappy with the nine to five. So I know that having a business is really important, but I was was operating pretty minimally that year. I had a pretty low amount of income when I did my taxes (laughs) for that year. And in the end, it was the best option for me. We survived um, and it gave me the opportunity to take some time and say, what's really important to me? And part of my reading and part of my acknowledgement of it's okay that I'm not perfect. I don't have to be perfect for everything. I don't have to know everything. Um, Was that my value comes from who I am, not what I do, not the things that I have accomplished or the tasks that I do. Anywhere from I'm a really good wife to I'm this great marketer, business owner persona.
0: Mm. That's really, really powerful. And it's a powerful reframe from, I'm sure, where you were before, right? And so I'm thinking about how it seems almost counterintuitive to when you're in that state of burnout, right? And you're feeling like there's a lot going on and a lot of things happening that there's a tendency there to just get swept up in everything and to not even feel like you have the time, right? So it can feel counterintuitive to say that I need to slow down. I need to start with these deeper questions because the the tendency, of course, is to say, like, oh, I don't have time for that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I imagine this is yes. where intuition coaching comes in, too, right, of how we prioritize and how we take more time to listen to what we need versus always responding to the demands of the outside world around us.
1: Absolutely. And with, with coronavirus, with um, the current climate that we're in right now, there are a lot of things that are going on and are pulling that extra level of maybe energy that we had apart from our work, right? So if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, she's telling me I have to leave my job because I hate what I'm doing and all this stuff, don't hear me say that. It can look a lot of different ways, right? Right. So it can be something where you take small steps to help you work towards a better mental state, a better place that maybe in the future would allow you to leave that position or walk away from that client. When I was burning out over those six months, I, I wish that I had found a way to, um, have someone kind of be like, Hey, maybe let's take a break from some of the stuff that's really igniting you really frustrating you. And maybe we could shift our focus to over here or had that conversation with someone. So one of those small things that you could do is that you can, um, if you're open to trying mindfulness meditation, it doesn't have to be involved, uh, with, your religion if you're religious you can also uh, consider praying if that's something that you do but having some of that mindfulness helps shift your brain from being reactive to being reflective so you actually train your neurons to react 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 and so if you can take some time and I'm talking like five minutes ten minutes uh, in the car before you go into work uh, you can listen to it on your phone. You can put earbuds in. You can do it in the bathroom. <laughs> There's a lot of different places where I've done it, uh, in bed, on the couch, wherever I feel comfortable and, and can grab a few minutes. And that really helped shift my how I perceived things. It was kind of like all of a sudden I was in the matrix, and instead of stepping into bullets, they were whizzing by me, things that I used to have to get really angry and frustrated about, And now they were just something that I could watch go by and be like, oh, huh, that used to make me really upset. Mm.
0: I love how you emphasize the fact that these decisions don't need to be made in huge leaps, right? Because I do think that that amplifies the stress when you feel like I've got to make this major life decision at a time when I'm feeling incredibly overwhelmed and (laughs) burnt out. Uh, So I think something like mindfulness practices like you're describing are a great way to start the process without, you know, and leading up to those bigger changes, whatever they might look like for you. uh, But to be able to just take more bite sized steps forward.
1: Yeah. Especially if you're experiencing Burnout and and imposter syndrome as a a connection with that or as a part of your burnout um, or just imposter syndrome on its own, there's a time when we get to remember that we need to give back to ourselves. I ask people to think about your phone battery. You probably know what percentage it's at right now. Do you know what percentage yours is at right now, Kim?
0: Oh, gosh. I got a new phone and it never runs out, but there was a time when I was monitoring it all the time
1: and uh, I was so stressed out about it. <laughs> mine's at like maybe 75%. I'm estimating right now. I have a new phone too and, and it's really awesome, but mine's about 75%. What happens is that a lot of times we know where our phone batteries are at, but w- when I asked someone, when was the last time you plugged in, you recharged, you took a break, We don't have an answer.
0: And do you think there's something deeper there? I I feel like there's a part of it is that we have this need to serve others, whether we're moms or we're spouses or you know, just even in our work, we're always Focused on what needs to be done and making sure that we don't disappoint other people. I know for me I have such a hard time slowing down because I feel this very Irrational sense of guilt or Laziness sometimes that I -hmm. I have to remind myself that It's okay to not be doing something a hundred percent of the time Do you do you think about like what lies beneath
1: that? constant need to be going and going so there are two two parts to that one I was incredibly good at being addicted to being busy um, from college on word and I think that that was one way that I was if I kept the wheels spinning that I didn't have to stop I didn't have to evaluate how did I really feel or what was going on instead I was just like if I make more money, if I continue doing this thing that's successful, then at some point I can reach my goals. One of my goals was to be able to travel uh, internationally and still be able to work. And so i kind of be like location independent. And um, so I would I would work harder and I kind of got on this treadmill where I would give more work, more, more time to my work and more and more and more so that I could meet those goals but in the end, I, I didn't have energy for other things. And then I'd miss events if they weren't on my Google calendar. And I'd feel guilty about that. So I'd work more. So then I, did have the, I would have the time at some point in the future. And that future didn't happen. I had to shift my focus. And I feel like a lot of us are okay almost being in that state of, I just have to keep pushing through, even though I don't like it. Even though I'm bored uh, or I'm frustrated, I have to just push through and, and it will get better or I'll just get over it eventually. Um, And so that's where I had to shift. And the other part of how this comes in is that for me personally, and I learned this through a lot of coaching, so uh, it took me a while to figure it out. Um, I would not feel like it was okay for me to sit around or do something that filled me up if there were things to do like cleaning the house or doing laundry or other projects so my husband would do his portion of cleaning and then he'd go play video games because in his mind he was done and in my mind i had this huge list of things that i had to do and because i felt like i needed to be useful in order to receive love so when i burned out i i wasn't i didn't have the energy to do useful things I didn't really care if the house got clean, if we had groceries, all these things, which is was really scary for me because I've always been very go-getter and high achiever and all these things. So to just not care about anything was a really scary place to be. Mm-hmm. And I had to come to the realization that I have value, even if I don't clean the house, even if I don't do this thing that I think is so important that I have to do, I can still receive love because of who I am, and the person that I am, not because of what I've done. Wow. That's
0: that's a really powerful place to get to and certainly one that I'm still working on if I'm being honest because that really resonates with me, what you're saying about feeling like you need to be useful in order to receive love. And, you know, I'd have to think really deeply about where that comes from in my personal story, but it's absolutely part of my narrative at a a sort of below the surface level that there's something wrong if I'm not actively doing.
1: Yeah. We, we create these expectations of ourselves that it's like, I'm jealous of him sitting and playing video games, but I'm forcing myself to do more things because I think they have to get done because I'm not going to be worthy of receiving love if I don't clean the shower door or whatever it is. (laughs) Exactly. Right?
0: (laughs) That's a resentment towards the other person who is able to relax and not feel guilty about it, right? Because you're thinking to yourself, like, oh,
1: how dare he? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I'm so jealous and it's like, there's nothing that he has said, like, you have to go clean the shower door. I am creating that. And it took me a long time to see that, that I could sit and play video games or read a book or whatever I wanted to do. And sometimes we just need to give ourselves permission to say, I need to put my needs first because no one else is going to, Mm. it won't happen unless I do it and I realize I'm going to have to say no to some things in order to put myself and my needs first. Cause we almost try to give from this empty cup all the time and we just give and give and give. And then we have nothing left and we're like, we get to the point where we're okay with that. And instead I encourage people to fill themselves up first and give from an overflowing cup.
0: I really like that a lot. <laughs> and it makes so much sense. When you think about it, I always talk about putting your own oxygen mask on first, but I think there's almost this badge of honor, as strange as that sounds that we wear when we reach a point of feeling like I've just met everyone else's needs, right? And I'm like uh, uh, driving myself into the ground. There's yeah some s- twisted sense of value that comes with feeling like i have i've like you said like emptied out that cup and am operating on on fumes here
1: yeah it's like look how much i've done look how much i've accomplished i am superwoman i have at one point in college i had 6 jobs and looking back it was like that was probably a tad much It was probably why I don't remember my senior year of college so well, because I was so busy running around so that I didn't have to take any of that downtime. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Don't, please don't hear me say it's a bad thing because if it works for you, then that's great. If that's what you want to do, then that's your choice. And I totally support you in that. If there's a time when you want to change and you want it to look different then that is an option that you always have. And part of that needing to be perfect and trying to meet that, st- that crazy high standard that I set for myself that no one else had but me was that always doing something for someone else and trying to take care of everybody else's needs. But I wasn't trying to be perfect for myself. I wasn't trying to, t- to take care of me. I was paying attention to everybody else.
0: Hmm. Wow, you you're really really hitting home. <laughs> today. I really appreciate this so much. And I, I have a couple of final questions for you. What motivated you to want to tell your story today,
1: and what do you hope people will take away from it? I think what I wanted to share is that I experience imposter syndrome. Um, it comes and goes. Sometimes it feels stronger. Than other times. And working through that normally means that I need to take time for myself. And I think that it's really important to talk about imposter syndrome because we feel it in different ways. And if we could just take that downtime and say, Can I give myself 30 minutes or an hour to love on me? What would that look like? Would that be reading a book or taking a walk? Not because. I'm trying to learn something, or because I want to exercise, or anything like that. Just something that purely makes me smile, Um, buying myself some flowers at the grocery store. Those things help me work through that imposter syndrome. And I guess I kind of want to say that it's okay. Normalize it, be like it happens, and you can work through it, just like with burnout.
0: Thank you so much. That's exactly why. I wanted to have this conversation because I want people to realize that, you know what, it it may not ever go away, but that's okay. Recognizing it and just having some tools for managing it is a really great place to get to, right? So thank you so much for being here today, Nicole. So much of what you said resonated with me and I'm sure it will with others too.
1: Thank you for having me, Kim. I really enjoyed having a conversation and and being able to talk about what all the things that I've worked through, right, and am still working through, right? <laughs> exactly. We're well. I don't think we'll ever be done,
0: but <laughs> no, no. Thanks again for listening today. If you're struggling with imposter syndrome and you'd like additional support, check out the show notes for more resources or contact me directly. I would love to help you. And if you'd like to tell your story, I would love to interview you. You will find my contact info in the show notes. So reach out anytime. Thanks again.